0: Appalachia. Appalachia is a very distinct word, and everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Moreover, though, whether it's right or wrong, it stirs up images of everything from indescribable mountaintop beauty, deep forest, and cabins in the wood to trailer parks, meth heads, extreme prejudice, and xenophobia. The fact that one word can bring up such a huge response is an owed to its far-reaching influence in society. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet into the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains, through the many years of their existence, have lived through and witnessed what can only be described as horrendous, demeaning, and even downright unbelievable history as we are now learning every day is not exactly what we've been told and what was once thought to be nothing more than fairy tale is now coming to light as truth. I often hear references to the movie Deliverance or people making funny banjo sounds when describing the Appalachians. I being born and raised in these mountains know that nothing in fact could be more wrong or in some cases more right. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has been around longer than any place in the United States. In fact, far longer than the United States itself. We'll look into these mountains and learn about the good, the bad, and the ugly history that lies within them to this very day. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Welcome back, my good friends. Thanks for stopping by so soon again for a bonus episode. This one comes from a member of our Facebook group, David McKinney, who was raised in the Appalachian Mountains of Omar, West Virginia. Thanks, David, for leading us on this one. From north to south, east to west, the entirety of the Appalachian Mountains are dotted with mines. Most of these mines are coal mines. Once the coal was found and coal companies would move in and set up a company town. The coal miners of the Appalachian Mountains, who have been on the forefront of some of the most tragic stories to come out of these mountains, would come to work in the towns for the mines. These men, with their great resourcefulness and sheer strength, were likened to superheroes in my book. They went fearlessly underground for thousands of feet in the most dangerous of conditions. These men had a brotherhood among themselves that ran deep. Once you've gone underground and dug coal together, with each of you having the other one's life in your own hands, you might say you're bound by that for a lifetime. There are those who are made for this kind of work, and well, those who, for lack of a better term, can't cut it. I, for one, am not ashamed to say that all it took for me to have a greater respect for these men was going into the mine for a tour once and I mean only once I wanted nothing more than out and in one piece that's when I discovered that I was claustrophobic that would mean that I'm one of the ones who can't cut it there are great characters born among those who dug coal characters that were brothers and were burned into the memories of the others so strong that they remembered their stories for the rest of their lives have yourself a seat and let me tell you the true tale of one such character. Coal has a rich heritage in West Virginia and has contributed significantly to the progress and well being of West Virginians since it was first discovered in what is now Boone County in 1742. Over the years, West Virginia has furnished our nation and the world with the finest bituminous coal found anywhere in the world, and today, West Virginia's coal miners apply efficient and effective mineral extraction technology and that makes them an envy of their counterparts all over the world. But it wasn't always like that. It was hard back-breaking labor and there had been deaths, unnumbered injuries consisting of up to broken backs and amputation of limbs that happened. For years, the coal miners worked. Uh, lived life and passed their traditions on to their children who would do the same thing because of the high demand for labor in the mines. Today in Logan County, West Virginia, there remains a mix of different nationalities and cultures all descended from the original miners to come to the area looking for work. William Boots Grimmett was one of the miners that came to the area. He lived in and which was a community named after James Omar Cole, who in the 1880s and 1890s bought large tracts of land just to move its lumber. It might also be worth mentioning that James Omar Cole was the grandfather of legendary musical and songwriter Cole Porter, who penned such hits as I've Got You Under My Skin and I Get a Kick Out of You. It takes an old-timer like me to know what even those songs mean. But Boots was a 48 year old in 1939 and had been working at the number four mine in Omar since 1923. I've always talked about the resilience of the Appalachian people and Boots was no different. He wasn't your normal miner. He was one of the long remembered characters that dug coal alongside his brothers. He made his living through hard physical labor and had done it since he was a very young man. When it came to mining, Boots could load the coal, run a motor, clear track, and many other labor-intensive jobs that would be back-breaking to anybody even in the best physical condition today. His brothers at the number four mine would marvel at his ability to get in and out of the large mine cars. He would use his great arm strength to flip himself over the edge of the car. There was no question that Boots could cut it in the mines. Boots always enjoyed steady work, hard work, and it was a good, reliable worker. But when he wasn't working, he enjoyed his favorite hobby, which was boxing. He didn't box himself, but enjoyed following the sweet science in action. His favorite fighter was boxing great Joe Lewis. Boots would proudly say that every time the Brown Bomber boxed, he had a little bit of money riding on him. By now, you're probably thinking that Boots could work with the best of them and was good at what he did and you're very right about that but you're also thinking so are many others that he worked with and you'd be right about that too so what was it that set boots apart from the others well boots was born in warrior alabama in 1891 when he was just four years old he was struck by a train and lost his legs In today's society, there are many services and even prosthetics that can be custom-fitted to the victim of such an accident to help them in their mobility and give them the ability to somewhat assimilate back into society. Back in 1895, it was a whole other story, especially for a poor black family. In the segregated South, it was probably next to impossible for Boots to receive anything much beyond life-saving treatment. Boots remembered being called for the service in 1917 after the U.S. entered World War I. He was the first man in war to be examined by the military doctors. The doctors declared him perfectly fit except that he was missing his legs. They gave his height at four foot four inches. Boots would have been a big man if he hadn't lost his right leg above the knee and the left one between the foot and the knee. He used a set of 36-inch crutches to maneuver and was able to walk as fast as any other man around. If not for the great need of the miners at, or the mine's company at Number 4 Mine in Omar, there probably wouldn't have been a good chance that the, they wouldn't have hired Boots, thinking that he would probably couldn't cut it. After all, there were very strong, physically fit men who couldn't cut it. Had that happened, well, I'm sure Boots would have moved on to other things, While well, mine company would have failed to gain the exemplary worker who literally thrived on the hard work. There's no doubt that Boots had to have a tremendous outlook on life in order to make it. Once he walked past a one-armed man holding a tin cup standing on the porch of the company store. Boots dropped a half dollar in the man's cup and said that it was must be tough being crippled. Boots would always scoff at anybody who tried to pity him over his handicap, saying people just don't know how little they use their legs. If you think it over, you'll find that the only person's making their living using their legs are dancers. Boots is now long gone, but lives on as a shining example of Appalachian resilience and fortitude. Makes me think, as it probably should most of us, that we sure got a heap to be thankful for. I hope you've enjoyed the story today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast and don't forget to subscribe. Go over to our Patreon page and look at Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend and give it a look over. I have added Patreon episodes and uh, they're exclusive to Patreon, just a few of them. Or you can go to Facebook group Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend podcast where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back soon with another Appalachian murder mystery or legend. I'll see you then.